You are listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. The following teaching was given by one of the missionaries that our church supports. Jesus has called the church to go into all the world and proclaim the good news, and our support for missions is an important part of fulfilling the Great Commission. We hope you enjoy this teaching and are encouraged to participate in the great task of taking the gospel to all people. In, in the Old Testament, it says, ask of me and I will give you the nations. Um, the nations are God's heart, and he really wants to have all the people coming to, to Christ, coming to salvation. And without the scriptures, how will they come? How will they know? So that's why it's so important to have Bible translations happening. Roger and Marilyn Reek have been working now for 45 years with Wycliffe Bible translators. That's amazing. They've moved from doing uh, just... I, I guess being on the ground, I don't know how to phrase that, but move from doing the actual translations, now they're consulting. So they, there will be groups of translators working in different areas. And Roger and Marilyn are in such high demand that they're, being, they're flying all over the world, all over to different places, checking up on these translations because Wycliffe is very stringent in their requirements on the translations to make sure that the, um, the word of God is protected. And so they've started off working in um, Mexico doing a New Testament translation way back in their early years. They moved on uh, to Honduras where they did a whole Bible translation, uh, and, which is Honduras is their base where they live now. And they've now they've moved to becoming these con consultants as they work. They work in Guinea-Bissau, Mozambique, Venezuela, Honduras, Brazil, moving on to Colombia. Um, they have... This is something I found out this morning. There are still tribal groups being found in the Amazon, I guess, river basin or whatever, that are unknown. They have never seen an outside person before. And so it's a whole entirely new language that has to be learned, has to have an alphabet developed, and then has to have scriptures translated into their language. It's an enormous task. It's enormous work. We have men and women like Roger and Marilyn who are continuing to dedicate their lives to that work. And, you know, they're not getting any younger. So we need to keep praying for them that God would uh, strengthen them to allow them to continue on with that work. So with no more of, of my words, we'll hear from them and they're going to show us how they do it. Hi, it's a real privilege for us to be back here with you guys. Um, we have received so much love from this church. And um, she said we were missionaries for 45. For most of those years, people from this church have been praying for us. People from this church have been showing their love. And just wonderful, wonderful to be here with you guys. You guys do so many things right for the Lord, and I really appreciate the privilege of being here. Um, now we're going to read a verse of the Bible. This verse comes from Acts 2 at Pentecost when the disciples had flames of fire on their head and they were able to speak in the tongues of, in the languages of people from all kinds of different places. So it says, then how is it that each of us hears the disciples in our native language, Parthians, 
Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Okay, I want right now only the Parthians to stand up. Who, who's from Parthia? Hey, see these guys from Parthia? Um, isn't it amazing that the disciples could speak in your language? How'd that happen? They, did, did they spend years and years in Parthia to learn your language? Nope. Okay, let's have the, you can uh, sit down. We're going to have the Medes stand up. So you guys from media, uh, were you really surprised when you heard the disciples talking your language? How did they, that's so far from here, how did they learn? Uh, let's hear a word of uh, median. Can <laughs> just say, <laughs> okay, that, that's how they laugh in media. <laughs> okay, now we're going to go to the Elamites. Where are you Elamites at? Oh, look at those Elamites. That's how they dress in Elam. Isn't it beautiful? Um, it's great to have Elamites here. And did you hear it in your own language? Wow. Okay. Uh, now we're going to go to uh, Mesopotamia. Who's from Mesopotamia? Ooh, look at these Mesopotamians. Oh, just one? Only one Mesopotamian. Um, how's the river doing? <laughs> Is it still running? Okay. Thank you for representing Mesopotamia. Um, okay, now we're going to go to Judea. Who's from Judea? Hey, did you understand the Galileans, even though they were uh, from Galilee? You understood okay? Okay, good. We got one Judean. All right, now we're going to go to Cappadocia. Oh, look at these Cappadocians. Don't they look intelligent? <laughs> and you Cappadocians, you heard in your own language, right? Wow. Okay, Pontus. Who's from Pontus here? Wow, look at, there's Pontus back there. I think they look, uh, the Pontus people look even more intelligent. I'm sorry to say that. Okay, now Asia. Wow, here's a person from Asia. Came all the way from Asia to come here. And did you hear in your own language? Wonderful. And... After Asia, there's Phrygia. Who's fr okay, look at those. Um, it, did you get named after the refrigerator? Yeah, okay. Uh, and they heard in their own language too? How did that happen? Okay, now we're going to go to Pamphylia. Look at the Pamphylians. Wonderful. Pamphylia, you heard in your own language too? Wonderful. Okay, now Egypt. Wow, there's Egypt way back there. I heard uh, they've been having a lot of trouble in Egypt. The planes don't fly very good. But you heard in your own language. Okay, now we're going to go to Libya, the parts near Cyrene. Look at these Libyans here. And you heard in your own language too? Great, thank you. And now the Romans. Who's from Rome? There they are. Friends. <laughs> no, 
You heard it in your own language, right? Wow. Okay. Now the Cretans. Who's a Cretan here? Nobody admits to it, but they're here. They won't admit. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, St. Paul said all Cretans are liars. So even if you stood up and said you're from Crete, who would be able to believe you? Okay, now the Arabs. We have any Arabs here? Oh, they're afraid to stand up to. These days it's really hard to get people to admit that they're Arabs. Okay, there's an Arab. Okay, and you heard in your own language, right? Everybody heard in their own language. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it have been great to be there, to see all these people dressed in different, uh, different garbs and hearing the gospel in their own language? That would have been wonderful. Now we're going to see a short video. We have a family. We have four daughters. Um, our oldest is a missionary nurse in Honduras, and... Um, she lives an hour from us, so we get to spend a lot of time with her and our three grandkids there. Then our second daughter is a school teacher in San Antonio. Our third daughter um, is an internal, a doctor of internal medicine. She's working in San Antonio. She just finished paying off her school loans so that she can go to the mission field probably in another year or two. And then our last daughter is also a school teacher in San Antonio. But when we were working in Mexico with the Zapotec Indian people there, there was a young man who was orphaned who became part of our family. So we have a Mexican son. He um, worked on the translation. He then married an American translator missionary. And they have four children. And so we have a son and four children, in four grandkids in Mexico. So we have seven grandkids total. The Lord has really been wonderful to us, and now Roger is going to go up on the platform with Corinne, and they're going to demonstrate to you the work that Roger does. But first I'm going to tell you a little bit about what translation work involves. Um, when translation work is started, the missionary goes and learns the language and the culture, and if it's necessary, if there, it has not ever been written before, then they um, work on an orthography and the linguistics, and then they begin the translation. And generally, um, they taken, the group is taken, the missionary family plus the, um, the speakers of the language that are working on the translation, they form a committee and they're taken to workshops where they're taught and shown how you do translation. And then um, they have workshops as they translate specific books. And many times this is missionary led, but then there's other groups where actually only the mother tongue speakers, the speakers of the language want a translation. And so they're the committee and they work on it and they don't really have a person working with them, a supervisor, somebody from the outside. They do all the work themselves, and that's really exciting when that happens. And so as they work through a book of the Bible, and they've translated it, and they have it in rough draft, then the next step is that it is checked by a consultant. And that's what Roger's going to demonstrate to you right now. When it's all been checked, and they've told the things that need to be changed, 
then the book can be printed. But it has to go through that process. And so that's what Roger is doing, as um, Colleen said, in these different countries of the world. He now goes and um, checks their translations. One of the reasons why he's in demand is because he speaks a lot of different languages. So he can do it in Mozambique through and Brazil through Portuguese, in um, Venezuela and the other countries there through Spanish. And then he also speaks the Portuguese Creole of Guinea-Bissau. And so he is able to speak the national language that um, most of the people speak besides for their own mother tongue language, their own tribal language. And so he is able to work with them through that national language. And now he's going to demonstrate how that's done. OK. Karaoke is from the Kukuya uh, tribe, right? Okay, um, and he's been working on Matthew. Uh, him and his committee at his church, they're very bright men, and he's a very bright man. So most of the things that are difficult for translators in other places haven't been difficult for this genius who's sitting next to me. But we still need to check the translation. So we're going to go to um, to Matthew 1, and we're at uh, verse 20, and it says, Then Joseph, Mary's husband, being a just man, wasn't willing to make a public example of her, so he wanted to put her away privately. But while he was thinking on this thing, on these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, okay, it says, as he was laying awake considering this, he fell into a dream and saw an angel standing beside him that said, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to take Mary for your wife. Okay, so um, first of all, I want to ask you, how do you say dream? Okay, do you have another word for vision? If a person's awake and they have this kind of dream, what what would you say? Kioneki. Kioneki. Yeah. Okay. So in this case, he was awake. So we would have to use kioneki? Okay. Right. We're going to have to change that because um, you had the other word. All right. Um, and how do you say angel? Moraika. Okay, he, he just said moraika. Moraika is a word that's based on the Arabic word malaika, and there's a strong anti-Arabic uh, feeling in his place. And so we want to get rid of all of the Arabic words that he's put down, some of them without even knowing they came from Arabic. So um, moraika is the word for angel, and we're going to strike that one because it's uh, based on Arabic. People aren't going to like it. So uh, what else could we do there? Um, see, it's a little bit difficult because uh, if you change that word, it changes the meaning. Okay, we're going to have to do something because we don't want people to burn the book because it's Arabic. Um, So, how, how would we say, like, a messenger sent from God? So we can literally say that. Um, 
messenger sent from God, yeah. and it would be. So I was almost saying Moraika again. Um, roho kuma kwegai. Roho kuma kwegai. Okay, and roho is also an Arabic word. Correct. So, um, <laughs> can we do it without an Arabic word? Um, so. You can't just say from God without using a vessel. So, um, a person, a person that came from God. Um, you can use the word messenger as a. So you can say. another Arabic word. We better pray for this. This <laughs> translation is going to take a long time. Uh, so you can say Umakwegai. Uh, okay. So from God. Okay. Uh, now we're going to go on to um, what the angel said. He said, Joseph, son of David. Um, Joseph, Monoa David. Okay. And um, if you say I'm the son of my father. You say Munawa? I'm the son of my father. will be the Munawa Papa. So that oh, means okay. I'm son of. Um, but was he really the son? Was David the father of Joseph? No. No. David was somebody that's way, way back in the uh, lineage, uh, uh, lineage of David. I mean, uh, lineage of Joseph. So... How are we going to say someone from the line of David? Mutara, mutaratara. That means sort of the lineage. Okay. So uh, we'll have you go back to the village and test that out and see if people <laughs> like it when if it says it that way, okay? Okay, mutaratara. Okay. Uh, now it says... Don't hesitate to take Mary as your wife. How, how do we say wife? Motumia. Okay. Um, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, how are we going to say conceived? Sierra. <laughs> you said that word in church? <laughs> now tell me, can you really say that word in church? Uh, not really. Not really. Yeah. Wow. Okay, let's uh, investigate and find a, a better word that um, you can say there. Now we're going to go to the word virgin. How are we going to say that she was a virgin? Go ahead and say it. All right. Um, say it. Kirego. Oh, so no. there's uh, another word that we can't uh, use in yeah, church, right? Sort of uh, offensive. Ah. Hey, is your wife here to slap you when you say those words? <laughs> um, so, we're, a what? Yeah, how are we going to say it? like a phrase, uh, like uh, a young lady that has never been with a man? Okay, we'll do it though. Uh, okay. So, 
Um, and nobody would be embarrassed by that one, right? No. No, no that one's yeah. okay. So um, if we have to, we'll use that long phrase so people won't be embarrassed. And right. um, how uh, can you think of a way we could say the word conceived without people being embarrassed? Is there a phrase we could use that uh, um, people can say? Yeah. How are we, we going to say that? We can say, so the direct translation would be gave birth, but would be of the child came from okay. this woman. So it, um, or the child will come from this woman? Yeah. Since, okay. Um, that sounds like a good, uh, good thing. Uh, let's go to the word savior. How do you say savior? Mohonokia. And that doesn't have uh, Arabic in it, right? No. Okay, good. Um, and this will fulfill the, God, uh, the message through the prophets. How are we going to say prophets? Um, it's different. Um, so it's the same word like keoneki. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, it would mean different things within different sentences. Okay. So if we're going to use the same word for like prophets and uh, disciples and messengers of God, um, we're going to have trouble because we got angels that we have to talk about and prophets and disciples and apostles. All of those people, we're going to have to find a different word or a different phrase Very for each one so that people can realize which ones they are. Yeah. Okay, so we still have a lot of work to do on, on this passage. Um, you guys later, you can um, tell him how you would say it in that language. And uh, that'll really help him out so that we can have this translation perfect. Okay, now Marilyn's going to come. Thank you very much. He did a great job. Thank you. The whole purpose of all of this is to provide God's word in their language. And as we saw, I don't know if it makes a difference, but as we saw in the verse from Acts, it said, and they each heard of the wondrous works of God in their language. And that's what we want to make happen, that people receive God's word in their language and um, let the Holy Spirit work in their lives. And translation of the Bible is one way. After, after this process is done, then um, they would take that back to their village area, to their people, and then start testing it and saying, you know, this word here, what does it mean to you? And this whole sentence, what, does, what do you understand by this? And so there's a lot of questioning done and they test it with their people back home and then um, come back with the team and start working about, talking about what is the best way of doing this. And the thing with translation is it's totally bound. It is free, as you saw, in that you won't come up with the exact word for disciple, maybe. It will be a sentence sometimes, short sentence or a phrase. But you are bound to do exactly what is in the Word of God, and you're not allowed to alter it. We're not to alter it in any way. 
just to make it clear in that language. That is what the goal is. But we've been involved in another method of bringing the gospel, and that's through an oral method. There are many different kinds of orality methods out there that different mission groups are using. But the one that our organization uses um, is one, they formed a different organization to work with stories, and it's called One Story. There are several different important mission groups that belong to the One Story Association. And we work, along with Wycliffe Bible Translators, also with One Story. And it's also bringing the gospel through a series of stories that have been well chosen to present all the plan of God, God's plan of redemption from beginning to end. And choosing stories that will connect with that culture. Um, many different aspects of that culture can be, can be used so that, so that it, they would feel that the stories are really theirs. The stories um, are free, not bound as translation is, and um, it's done with a facilitator who is working with a person that we call the crafter, and the crafter actually puts together the story. He hears all the different sources, and in order for it to be perfectly oral and to sound oral and not written, then the person that is going to craft or put the story together receives all the information about the story orally. So different translations, um, in the national language are read. Um, we show them videos, pictures, everything that will help that person to really get a grasp of what that story really is. And then um, the story's put together, and there are two very important criteria, which is that every line of the story be able to be backed up by a Bible verse. So these are not like your um, children's Bible storybooks, where a lot of it is imagined and embellished to make it more exciting. No, this is the exact word of God, um, sentence by sentence, line by line. But the other thing is that it be understandable by any non-Christian who does, don't have the Bible language. So as you saw today with Roger, they were working on what we call biblical key terms, important terms in the Bible that just are not part of everyday um, daily life, daily language from people's daily lives. And so those have to be thought through really well. So in order to, make, to ensure that that's done correctly, then we test the stories with non-Christians. The stories are told to them, and then they tell them back in a way that they understood what they heard so that the team, the, the facilitator and the crafter can understand and, and, and grasp what they really did um, Understand from the story and see the parts of the story that need to be changed. The stories shouldn't last much longer than three minutes because people are able to hear a story maybe just two or three times and repeat back the story word for word. If you put it together, if you craft it correctly, so it takes a lot of work for that to happen. But we're dealing with um, cultures that are of oral tradition where everything that they learn came down orally and not through written. Um, they don't have books. They don't even have writing in their language. And so they're very good at listening and grasping, not like us. We depend on written word. But they're able to hear and retain that information incredibly, much different than us. And so they can hear a story for two or three um, times and then tell it back word for word. 
And if it's been crafted correctly where you don't stumble over ideas and, and you know, it just flows beautifully, you have to work a long time to get the story that way. And then this is all the same way, checked by a consultant to make sure that it's all biblically true and that um, the consultant has a list of things that they look for in each story. And then the stories are used um, in fellowship groups usually, that the best method in fellowship home groups where people can invite in non-Christian friends and tell them the story. And each person in the room, the goal is that they be able to repeat back the story before they leave so that when they go home, they can tell their neighbors, they can tell their grandkids, their families. And then there is half an hour of discussion, reflection about that story. And at the end, the goal is that they find something in that story that they can apply to their lives. So this is used for church planning and for winning people to the Lord. So we're grateful for what the Lord has let us do. But one of the things that's really strong on my heart that I'm going to talk about very quickly right now is Venezuela. And um, we gave each person a, a bill from Venezuela. Unfortunately, at this period of time, that doesn't have much worth. But it's so that you can take it home with you and remember to pray. I don't know how many of you have been watching the news about Venezuela and what's going on. It's just in a lot of turmoil. Um, people are suffering, and we know because we know those people. We've worked with them. I think I've gone to Venezuela seven times now, and um, these are people that we love and we know, and they're really strongly suffering. As you've seen, there's very little food in the country. Wages are incredibly low. A school teacher earns $12 a month, and that can only buy either a pair of shoes for one of their children or a pair of pants for one of their children. That's all that they can buy with their monthly amount. And they say recently 10,000 teachers have um, stepped down from their position as teachers. So the schools are closing because there are no teachers, no cleaning staff for the schools or the universities, the high schools. And so the situation there is very, very critical. and seems like it's leading up to civil war because they have to remove the president um, and all the politics in the country have to change. They haven't worked for years. It should be one of the richest countries in the world because of the petroleum, but that has now been sold to other countries. All the rights to their petroleum was given to other countries years ago. So the country is not able, in fact, in Maracaibo, which is the city where near the lake where the petroleum is, they have to line up for four hours to get gasoline in their cars daily in the town that produces it. So things are just really, really bad. And I just feel tremendously burdened. We feel burdened. And we're receiving daily, we have daily contact with them, talking to them through Skype. And they're telling us what's going on. And so we really would like for you to pray for them. Um, during this situation right now. But in the middle of it, there are such wonderful Christian people that want to see God's word in the Indian languages there along the Amazon and the Orinoco rivers. Um, and I'm amazed at the Venezuelan church. The church is strong in the middle of all of this. And they're actually sending missionaries out to other countries and supporting them. They're doing everything that they can. It's amazing how many mission organizations they have in Venezuela. 
among the different denominations. And what is also truly amazing is how many people are going to live in the Indian rivers. Some of these places you have to travel five days to get there along the Amazon River in order to make it to that village area. And they're doing it with their families. So the church there is strong, but they're weak right now because of all the problems. And so they really need us to uphold them in prayer. And um, financially, they need help. And uh, if any of you during the fellowship hour, during the meal, would like to approach us and ask us about how you could help, how you could adopt one of these national translators, Indian people, that are working on the translation. And they've had to give up their jobs in order to dedicate all their time to doing the translation. And yet, where is their support? Where is the money going to come from? And so we really want to uphold them. But then there's another major challenge personally to our work, and that's Roger. He is a really great challenge. And that is because, well, you've noticed that, right? Um, that's because of the terrible pain that he lives with day and night. It resulted, a long story from a lot of, from being born with incredibly flat feet and nothing had been done about that. And then um, he fell and fractured his ankle, and he also had blood clots in that leg, and then he had a quadriceps tendon tear on the other leg, and in all of this, then he had bone fusion done, and last year he had a total ankle replacement done, and they've tried everything that they can to work on the bones, but the damage is to the nerves, and so he lives with tremendous amount of pain. And we left Honduras on Friday and Thursday, he said to me, if this is what my days in Africa and Guinea-Bissau are going to be like, I shouldn't go because I will not be able to sit at the desk and work because the pain level is too high. And on a daily basis, he tries not to take the strongest pain medicine so that he can reserve it when he actually is sitting at a desk with the translation team working with them. He'll be working with two different languages in Guinea-Bissau starting next Monday. The trips, these long trips are not good for him. But God is gracious and wonderful, and we pray that he'll get three seats on the plane, or at least two, so he can keep his leg up, and God always answers. So please pray. He'll be flying out um, on Thursday from New York City to Morocco, and then from Morocco to Guinea-Bissau. But he needs prayers in order to do this job. And at times we wonder, well, should we keep on or not, you know? Is it, is it good stewardship to keep on? But as he says, he's never been more valuable than he is now because of all the years of experience and all the languages that he speaks. He not feels that now he has a lot to offer, and they need it, and they're asking for it. But um, the situation is just real difficult, and we just he just lives through day after day. And it's amazing that he always stays positive and happy and jokey. And um, he also um, has never, I've never heard him say once, you know, why did God allow this? Why? He just says, well, I just have to keep on going in the middle of this. And it's difficult to understand. So we appreciate your prayers. Thank you very much.
so the people that I asked to pray, if you could come up. And everyone else, we want you to also please join in in prayer, but we'll just not make a crowd up here. We'll do it from the seats. Lord God, I thank you just so much for the work that Roger and Marilyn are doing and just for the years that they've dedicated to this work. I thank you, Lord, that uh, that there are countless people now who are able to read scriptures in their own language because of this work. And we take that so much for granted. We have five different translations of the Bible on our shelves and on our phones, Lord. But to think of being without the scriptures in your language and to not have that access, it's just is beyond what I can even imagine. And I thank you, Lord, that now there are people that are going to be in heaven worshiping you and praising your name because they have the scriptures. Lord, I pray that uh, the numbers were staggering uh, of the amount of people that still don't have scriptures. And I ask you, Lord, to ignite this work and more and more people would become Bible translators and and you would put it in their hearts, Lord, that that would be their life's mission, that they would do that. Father, we ask you, um, we ask for the nations. And you said, ask me for the nations and I will give them to you. And we ask, Lord, for the nations. We ask, Lord, that no one would be left without scriptures. No one would be left without the word of God in their language that they could understand intimately. Um, Lord, I pray for that work as it goes on. I pray for the the teams that are sitting working like we saw in the demonstration, sitting working, agonizing over a word, Lord, that maybe doesn't even exist in their language and how to translate it. Lord, I pray for that. I pray that the Holy Spirit would inspire these people and give them good and meaningful translations uh, that would resonate in their hearts, resonate in, in their, their tongue, Lord, the, the language they speak. Father, I pray, I ask you to allow this work to continue until every uh, language group has scriptures, Lord. Dear Lord, uh, Roger and Maryland are doing such awesome work, and I pray for his health. I pray that you heal him, Father. I pray for less pain. I pray for ease as he walks with uh, all the interpreters. I pray that uh, other communities that they're trying to do this for are willing to come to the table and uh, let go of some of the terms and uh, find a way to get the message out there, get it written down. And I pray, Father, that um, all the challenges that they may find with you know, wording and who accepts what and who refuses what, Father, that you just find a way to make it happen. And uh, I pray for the family. I pray for the kids. I pray for love. Dear Lord, I pray that when he travels, he finds easy way to travel with less pain and just be there with them. just um, praise you and thank you for the incredible beauty um, in the message that you have given to us. 
we live in a world that's um, just wrought with so much pain and um, just so much violence. And I just thank you that your message is a message of love, a message of hope. Um, I just am so impressed with the verse um, where Christ is saying, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's amazing to, to know that you tell us that you are gentle and humble in heart, and you want to give us rest and give us peace. I just thank you for Raja and Marilyn, and I just um, ask that you would continue to care for them as they... Um, spread spread this word, um, the message that you've given to us, and just ask that you would lift them up and um, give them give them a secure sense that your burden is light um, and your yoke is easy. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity to be living in such a time as this. Lord God, you have brought us together in partnership, Lord God, with the Reeks to carry on the work that probably could not even been done a hundred years ago, much less now. God, we thank you for your provision and what you've provided. Father, this is a picture of what you said in the New Testament where every joint supplies. And and I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, for Brother Roger and his health as he travels, Lord God. Father, that you would surround him with favor as with a shield, Lord God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you who provided life, Lord God, will continue to strengthen and bring life to his mortal body. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring healing, Lord God, and relief to all those areas that are hurting. Lord, you said in your word that Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you would bring healing into his body, Lord God, healing into his mind, Father. Lord, as the translations are going forth, Lord God. Bring forth wisdom, understanding, revelation through the teens, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would bring provision to their families, Lord. Let them not be anxious, Lord, but let them see this is the way you've called them to go, Father. For in your vision, you give provision, Lord. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that they will see your abundance of grace, Lord. Father, that everyone will see, Lord, every generation that's involved, even the children, the grandchildren, Lord God. Let them see the legacy of calling upon the name of the Lord and what that means, Father God. And Father, help us as we cry out for our brothers and sisters as they translate the word of God into other languages in the earth, Lord God, so that we see prophecy fulfilled where every eye shall see him, where every tongue will confess, Lord God. Let this be a time where people run 
run to you like a strong tower. Father God, for the righteous will run in and be safe, Lord. Father, let the hearts of the people be open, Lord God, even as they're translating, Lord God. Bring forth a word, Lord God. Bring forth life, Father God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you would open up the doors, Lord God, for utterance so that the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God will be in these places, Father God. Father, that your, your word will go forth, Lord God, and your glory will be seen. We specifically pray for our brothers and sisters in Venezuela, Lord God, and the challenges that they are uh, facing, Lord God. Father, we pray that as the government is in flux, Lord God, let your people have a voice at this time, Lord God, to bring forth hope, to bring forth healing, to bring forth the word of the Lord, to bring forth that which is going to sustain this nation in time to come, Father God. Father, I pray that you would open doors for your people to speak forth with utterance, Lord God. Father, that your light will be seen, Lord God, and that someone will come to know you, Father. Even now, we know the seed of the gospel is being sown, is being watered, Father God, and we are believing you for the increase. God, we thank you for the work of Brother Roger and Sister Marilyn. Father, we pray for their marriage, that they will continue to be strengthened as one, Lord God, for you have called them to do this work together, Lord. And Father, let them be of one mind as they call upon your name. We thank you for this, Lord God. We give you the praise, our honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Glory. Father God, I just, as we're praying, I just, I want to pray for strength, Father. I want to pray for strength in body and strength in mind, Lord, and just a, an extraordinary provision of grace, Father, for, for these two as they go out and they, they put feet to the gospel, Lord. And I thank you for all the work and all the toil and everything else that goes into it. You know, you think of a guy sitting behind a desk translating a scripture, and it's, you know, it's probably not that difficult, but to, to go out to these remote places and sit by, behind a desk probably for 12 to 18 hours at a clip, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not what our body was designed to do, Father. And I pray, Lord, for the nerves and the nerve damage, Father. As a man who's walked through that, Lord, I, I understand it, and I pray, Lord, that you would just touch it. Touch those nerves, Father. Just deaden those nerves if you need to, Father. In your name, amen. For more teachings and resources, or to learn more about the mission's work that Bay Ridge supports, please go to www.brcc.church.